Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. A lot of breweries talk about sustainability and environmental practices, but few are as committed as Florida's first magnitude. This week on the show, it's a conversation with Christine and John Denny, the founders of the brewery. A quick programming note, I'm going to be at Jack's Abbey Craft Loggers in Framingham, Massachusetts for a live audience recording of this show on August 17th, 2023, starting at six o'clock. It's going to feature a panel of Massachusetts brewers, and we're even going to have some recipes out of the Craft Brewery Cookbook, and that'll be for sale that day. It's also still available wherever fine books are sold. So if you're in Massachusetts, come join me on August 17th at Jack's Abbey in Framingham at six o'clock for a live audience recording of Drink Beer, Think Beer. There's also a 100% chance that we're going to be talking about smoked beers. So if you like Rauk Beer, join This Week in Rauk Beer on Facebook by searching by the group's name, or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Beer. You can also check out all of the Rauk Beer merchandise that we have on our website, allaboutbeer.com. Speaking of that, allaboutbeer.com is your place for original articles, reviews, news, insights, and podcasts. You can listen to shows like Brewer to Brewer and the All About Beer podcast simply by searching All About Beer wherever you listen to shows. This show and all of the work we do, it's supported by you. Please go visit patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. That helps keep the content fresh because a few bucks goes a long way to fund writers, photographers, creators, and editors. And if you'd like to learn more about advertising on this show, please email us at info at allaboutbeer.com. If you plan on being in Colorado in a few weeks for the Great American Beer Festival, you need to check out the Denver Rare Beer Tasting. It happens on September 22nd and brings together 64 of America's best craft breweries, all for a great cause, the Pints for Prostates campaign. The beer list is incredible. It's packed with rare, exotic, and vintage beers you won't find anywhere else. These are legendary beers the breweries hold back just for the Denver Rare Beer Tasting. It's a bucket list event for both beer fans and for brewers. You can get a look at the beer list and find more information, including tickets, at pintsforprostates.org. All-inclusive tickets are just 200 bucks and include unlimited beer samples, a great buffet lunch, t-shirt, tasting glass, and program. Money goes to the fight against prostate cancer, including a free health screening before the event. It's a simple blood test that checks for common health issues that might just save your life. The Denver Rare Beer Tasting, drinking beer and saving lives. The Florida Brewers Guild held its annual conference a few weeks ago, and I was there to check out the scene. I always like attending guild events because I can get a sense from brewers as to what's happening beer-wise and trend-wise in their state. And it's also a chance to learn about new-to-me breweries that are making a positive impact. That's why I'm glad to have Christine and John Denny of First Magnitude on the show this week. They're the co-founders, with Christine carrying the duties of brewery president and John as head brewer. It's located in Gainesville, and they are the Southeast's first carbon-neutral brewery through a partnership with We Are Neutral, and they've donated a lot of money and encouraged research into the Florida Springs Institute. We're going to talk about both of those things. In the brew house, they're working to reduce waste and find ways to be more efficient. There are charitable works that they're doing, and they're also striving to become a community hub. And as for the beers, they're pretty darn good, including one that I enjoyed during the show. It's called Drift, and they call it a Session Brown Ale. 
What is a session brown ale? Well, keep listening and we'll tell you. In the comfort of conference center air conditioning, here's our conversation. I am, I know Florida as an outsider. So I know Orlando and what Orlando is supposed to be and means. And I've been coming to this conference for the last couple of years. So I've gotten to know the greater Orlando beer scene such as it is. And then because of larger festivals, I've become aware of Miami and its beer scene and Tampa St. Pete uh, and its beer scene. I know almost nothing beer-wise or otherwise about Gainesville, Florida. So what am I missing? (laughs) Well, um, First Magnitude was the second production brewery um, in Gainesville. Uh, We will celebrate nine years of being in business uh, next month, which we're really excited about. That'll be August uh, 2023. yeah, we have two other production breweries, Swamphead and Cypress and Grove, and then okay. we, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a pretty good tight little scene. Um, you know, we're all uh, very uh, very friendly, borrow stuff from each other all the time. <laughs> it's a it's a good beer community for sure. But the city itself, Florida, I feel is a tourist destination. Beer aside, why go to Gainesville, or is it? Do you not want people to come to Gainesville? Like, stay out. We, so we moved to Gainesville. We both did our undergraduate uh, degrees there and then met in Tampa and then moved back to Gainesville in 1999 for me to do my graduate work um, in forestry at the University of Florida. And when we went back there, we told our neighbors, we said, we hope you like us because we're never leaving. Gainesville is just, (laughs) besides being a college town, it is absolutely beautiful. It's rolling hills, rivers, lakes, freshwater springs, forests. We actually named our brewery after the springs. First magnitude refers to the springs and the amount of water that flows out of them. And they're they're powerful springs, right? Like this Absolutely. is like those. Is it like the healing waters that that you hear about? Is it one of those types of things? People feel like springs are magical. People get a lot out of the springs, and the actual volume of water. There's over a hundred cubic cubic feet of water per second pouring out of a first magnitude spring. So L.A. could get all of its water from a first magnitude spring. We don't tell people out there that, but uh, <laughs> but uh, the springs are these crystal clear, incredible places that um, make North Central Florida really unique. And Gainesville is just, it's such a beautiful place. It's got a lot of really cool, it's got a great vibe to it. It's got a lot of great small businesses. It's just, there's a lot going on, that, including the University of Florida, but there's yeah. just a lot of neat stuff. And it's surprising that the brewing scene we don't have more breweries there. It's surprising. Um, the breweries, like John said, we, we all get along real well. We all support one another. We're all different sizes. We have very different personalities. It's like siblings in a family. It's all, everybody's real different. Um, but yeah, we're just, it's just a fun little place. And when we were actually looking at opening our brewery back in 2012, I think we were working on it. Um, I went to CBC, the Craft Brewers Conference, and they were showing a map of the U.S. This is when everything was going out of control. Sure, yeah. And they had this, they were showing areas of opportunity and they had a big bullseye smack dab on Alachua County where Gainesville is. And I looked at that and I went, oh no, 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 that's where we're opening. And so we assumed there would be a lot more breweries going in and it just, it just hasn't. And there's a variety of reasons for it, but uh, it's really neat. And when you ask what's great about the Gainesville brewing scene, we're all award-winning breweries. I mean, everybody there has run 
national, international, statewide competitions for their beers. So, and we're proud of that. Yeah. I want to talk about your award-winning beers uh, in a minute because I'm sipping on one that um, uh, I want to get to a certain point in the can so I can talk about it with a, a little bit of, 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 of better thought um, and also words. Um, <laughs> um, how is the water for brewing? Uh, we use city water. Okay. Um, you know, it, it is uh, it is it is very good. I mean, we just is uh, city water drawn from the springs. Uh, ish. Ish. Okay. I mean, ultimately, our water comes from the Florida aquifer, of okay. course. But it's 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 treated through Gainesville Regional Utilities, and it's actually yeah, it's quite good. Um, adjusting for pH depending upon the style that we're uh, brewing, but that's and then taking the chlorine out of course but yeah that's that's really the only adjustment that we do and it's uh it's pretty good for brewing. yeah um when you think back to 2012 and the business plan that you were putting together and what you wanted first magnitude to be versus and then you opened in 2014 so where you are now almost uh a decade later what stayed the same and what's wildly different <laughs> uh well, certainly the distribution scene is is wildly different. We have we have seen uh, consolidation among our uh, distributor partners, um, and sometimes that's been a bit of a challenge. Um, the uh, The tap room has exceeded our wildest expectations. Um, I was confident that we would be successful, but I mean, it's just we we've really been embraced by the community and um you know we just feel incredibly fortunate we 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 have some really cool events um we raise a lot of money for different uh different groups and those sorts of things and and that has just been a lot of fun to watch that space evolve and improve over the years yeah i would agree i mean when we opened distribution was the thing we recorded by distributors all over the place <laughs> and they said just make it we'll sell it you sure. know it doesn't matter what it's like and and uh oh, what a it, disservice but it, yeah it it changed it it changed pretty drastically pretty quickly um distribution the landscape shifts all the time but it is it we could not have predicted how much it would have shifted we were lucky enough to get in in 2014 and start hitting the pavement quickly um we also i think made what I would feel are very good decisions not to go too far too fast. We, one of the stories we like to tell is when we were opening um, the brewery and planning the brewery, one of my colleagues, I did environmental consulting, one of my colleagues, um, college roommates and best friends is Oscar Wong um, of Highland Brewing. Yeah. And so when we told my coworker that we wanted to open a brewery, he said, well, I I have a friend you might want to meet. He's really nice, and he has a brewery, too. And I said, well, who is it? He said, his name is Oscar Wong. Have you ever heard of Highland? We both looked like, yes, yes, we know. So we had the great fortune of being able to go up and meet with Oscar a couple of times as we were planning and as we were getting ready to open. And he was so generous with his time and took us around and the way he ran, runs his company and the things that he told us in terms of own your backyard, be yeah. good to your people and, and just really pay attention to the small stuff that resonated with us and that formed some of the roots of our company. Um, That's awesome. We really felt 
so fortunate to be able to have that connection. And um, it really made us think about how we wanted to approach things. So when we wanted, went into distribution, um, we took that to heart and we really focused on owning our backyard. Um, we've actually shrunk our distribution footprint over the years because, and it happened right before COVID. Um, we, so it was a purposeful. It was purposeful. We didn't know COVID was coming, but we said, you know what? We really want to just focus on the places that we can really pay the most attention. And uh, that ended up being a, a nice benefit to us. And, and we feel like we can really service the accounts and, and work with our distributors in a, in a way that's focused and, you know, yeah Intent. it's so I, I I'll, I'll just very quickly point out that there are there, no one is a finer gentleman than Oscar Wong and just he's just wonderful and uh, uh, that brewery is is, is is a real treasure um, and folks should be looking at them for uh, for modeling it out um, with COVID then and and sort of pulling back your distro before that this is multi-layered, right? So 2012, you're at the CBC where everybody is like, you can be a national brand next week or, you know, 50 states are bust and there's all of these pie in the sky. Uh, Brewers Association was saying, you know, we're going to have 20% of the marketplace by 2020 and the sky's the limit and there's no stopping us and, and, and all of this. And there's this sort of like big rah-rah. And now you go to Nashville for the Brewers Association. It's like, yeah, things are leveling out or bottoming out or th things aren't great um, and the conversation has really turned to owning a local market being the brewery of your area by making good beer by being good stewards um, so that you saw that coming in 19 is pretty great but uh, uh, now that we're a couple of years into covid and it shifted everything how has that benefit of being the local brewery or, you know, strong in your own home turf. Um, how's that playing out? Well, it's playing out very well. <laughs> um, you know, again, when, when, when we started out uh, and we're distributing product down here in Orlando, we were, we were sort of considered a local brewery in Orlando, okay. being in Gainesville. How no. far is Gainesville from here? Uh, it's about a hundred miles. Okay. Yeah, two so hours, it's a two-hour yeah, trip. Yeah, okay. two, two, two hours north. But, yeah, you would never consider that. Uh, you would never consider First Magnitude to be a local brewery in, in Orlando. Now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it just all kind of builds. Um, you know, it builds from your backyard, and you can move out, you know, from there. So, yeah, I... Uh, again, you know, what Oscar's words of wisdom were, were indeed that they were wise words and, yeah. um, and, and focusing on that market has just been, you know, absolutely huge for us. There's been a couple things here and there that we've broken out and, and, and figured some good ways to sell our product creatively. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really all about the Gainesville market. How are you selling creatively? Well, we were able to uh, export some beer to Sweden okay. um, earlier this year in March, and that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, uh, so we're looking into, into those opportunities now. Uh, we have a product at uh, Disney Animal Kingdom oh, cool. uh, that uh, we do specifically uh, for the park, and uh, that, has, that has been a, a very fast-growing uh, skew for us. I'll bet. And that is, uh, that, that's, that's been a lot of fun. Good and on Disney. What's the beer? 
It's called Tiger Eye Gold. Okay. Uh, it's a it's a it's a gold or blonde ale, real light. Um, you know, perfect for a hot Florida theme park. Yeah, and I hear there's not a lot of shade at that particular park. Yeah, and it's it's all outdoors based. Yeah. I mean, there are indoor there is some indoor stuff there, but yes, it's it's um, but yeah, it's a, it's a good, very uh, balanced uh, hot weather drinker. Nice. And, um, and yeah, uh, we uh, I, I get an update from them every Sunday afternoon, and they let me know, you know, how it's been selling. Apparently, it's it's got some appeal with uh, international guests. Was the 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 last I heard okay. from this past Sunday, but um, but yeah, it's been it's been fun. It's okay. been a lot of fun working with those folks. Well, I would say to tag onto that when you're asking about about how that's played out for us, I think the the big thing is relationships and i know people say that all the time but it really is it's the relationships with the distributors i mean the the tiger eye example john worked distributors and the accounts john worked on that for two years and i was it, gonna say nothing happens with disney overnight no and it doesn't yeah. and, and it it's was, a battleship yeah you don't, you don't turn that sucker <laughs> yeah, quickly. exactly yeah and it was creating that relationship it was making sure they trusted our product our ability to deliver the product um the quality of the consistency quality of the product um and you know it's it's sitting there on the beverage carts next to macros and it's and it's doing quite well and it's and competing with them that's awesome because we were at Disney last year, and I was disappointed, especially around Epcot, of the beer selections and the ability of what they could get versus what they, you know, um, you know. And even in Cinderella's Castle, I mean, the most interesting thing that they have is uh, uh, the Cronenberg uh, Blanc, you know, which comes in a blue bottle because Cinderella. Um, which is which, which is pretty clever. But that's awesome to hear. Like it was hard to find local choices in the parks and I haven't been to animal kingdom yet, but that's awesome that yeah. you were yeah. able to do that. Yeah. That's thank uh, you. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, it was, uh, it was quite the challenge and, um, you know, it, it's, it's great and it, it's really, it's helped out, you know, with our overall production numbers and, uh, and, you know, again, with, with, with the, the constant increase, it seems in competition all the time, having little outlets like that, Having accounts like Disney is hugely important for a brewery our size. Yeah. It also speaks to like in 2012, right? It was this run away from what the big players are doing. Run away from the bland, you know, Greg Cook from Stone would get up there and scream about fizzy yellow beer. And now that brewery is owned by Sapporo and both of the breweries, Stone Breweries, are now making Sapporo, which is just poetic justice. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's funny when you think about it. Um, but... For a long time, craft was running in this direction of big flavor and big nuance. And if I'm at a theme park and it's 100 degrees out with humidity to match and I want a refreshing beer, like that IPA, you know, even if it's highline and delicious, is not what I want to be making. So when you were thinking about putting that beer together... You, know, you, you can't think about the craft consumer, right? It, 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 it's more of... Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, n not that Disney doesn't have repeat customers. Of, of Cer course. Most certainly they do. Yeah. But I would say, I would guess that a, a great majority of their de guests are, are there, you know, once or twice or, or whatnot. So, you know, instantly you're going for something that's going to have mass appeal. And if yeah. you're, if you're spending the money on a Disney ticket, you're probably going to spend a couple more bucks to get something that's unique that you're only going to get here as yes. opposed to a macro brand or something like that. And, and I, and I think that that's how it's, that's how it's worked out. And, 
um, yeah, we get lots of posts on untapped and stuff like that when people are at the parks and it's been, it's been cool. It's been great to see people enjoy it. It is so disheartening that people are using untapped at the parks. I mean, it's disheartening that people are using it altogether, but like, it just like, well, live in the moment, man. Uh, don't, you don't need that. You don't need that check-in. You don't need that. Yeah. One, of, one of our, one of our brewers, he's, he's no longer uh, working with us, but he always, uh, Zeb Trinity, great guy, always used to say when a brewer reads an untapped review, a bald eagle dies. <laughs> And so we, we try to uh, we, we try to hold on to that, and uh, they're entertaining uh, every once in a while to read. But but yeah, people check in at the parks like that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yep. Never. I mean, I haven't used the app in years, but that's just. Of course they would, but it's just yeah. it, it's. Anyway, <laughs> um, there seems to be a theme in in reading up on you in advance, and and you brought this up before about um, a background in environmental uh, sustainability, environmental science, um, that the brewery is very big into understanding its impact on the larger world and then trying to understand or trying to help people understand their impact on the larger world. And one of the things that I, that I read is you're carbon neutral. We are. What does that mean? So, we are proud to be the first carbon neutral brewery in the Southeast United States. Um, what it means is that we work with a local organization called We Are Neutral, and they analyze our carbon footprint based on utility bills, et cetera. And so they give us a, I'm air quoting here, a bill, an invoice for our carbon footprint. And we try really hard in our day to day practices to be as sustainable as we can. but everybody has a carbon offset or carbon, they have a carbon footprint. They, there's a carbon coming out. So what we do is work with We Are Neutral and we raise funds that we give to We Are Neutral and they give us carbon credits to offset our carbon footprint. And the way they do that, and this is the cool thing, is that they go into our local community and they do tree planting, but they also do retrofits on low-income houses oh, cool. to make them more energy efficient, to drop people's utility bills. And so that they are going, they're taking the money that we give to them, they're going into the community and they're helping people um, make their homes more energy efficient. And I think that's just a really cool way to not only give back to our community, but to also bring awareness to the environment, because that is a lot of what we do. Um, we do a lot of environmental fundraising. We do a lot of uh, work to fundraise for people to have um, for Springs education outreach work. We are well over $100,000 that we've donated to our local Springs organizations for Springs-related um, education um, education initiatives. We also fund our local uh, Citizen Science Springs Watch program. Oh, cool. So all those things are... We named ourselves First Magnitude, but we didn't want to just say, yay, water. We right. wanted to actually be, and I get frustrated when people, you know, get a lot of marketing and, and uh, a lot of PR over things that I think are crap and they're not. What's a good example of that? Well, good examples are organizations or companies that, um, and some breweries do it too, where they say, hey, Part of the proceeds of X, Y, or Z are going to this organization. They get yeah. all the PR from the organization. They get all the splish, splashy, splish, splash stuff. And then when you find out later on that that organization got, you know, a big fat 75 bucks or whatever. And then yeah. the, or the company got all this PR and marketing. I don't 
I don't think that's an honest way to do things. I so agree. Yeah. We actually have ways that we do fundraising with our partner organizations so they can actually generate substantial revenue in addition to generating awareness. And um, it's not by saying we give you know 5% of every pint of this sold to the organization because, again, you walk away with not a ton of money. Yeah. Um, we figure out ways that they can have the folks that come and attend our, our events donate directly to the group and to... to not only you know become more aware of what the organization's doing a springs organization or we do a lot for our local animal shelter um but also you know give money help them out build yeah. capacity because building capacity is the way to go with a lot of these groups you want to help them out and make sure they can continue doing the good things they do and simultaneously with that it's drawing new customers to the brewery um people that wouldn't otherwise come there people that might not be into craft beer and if we just get even just 10 percent of those yeah that become regulars i mean that's a that's a huge win for us so it's it's really nice when you can you know work out a mutually beneficial situation and helps everybody all the way around when you're thinking about though being carbon neutral and and trying to do best practices right because breweries generate a lot of waste and and use a lot of energy and a lot of resources so when you're consciously now thinking about about this where it's not just writing a check but you're you're really trying trying hard where have you found huge gaps that you were able to fill successfully Mm, that's a great question um we really try i mean you're your point is 100% on uh, brewing is in energy. Uh, lots of energy goes into it. Um, that chiller runs hard all summer long. <laughs> yeah. In particular, um, you know, we we really monitor. Uh, you know, our utilities. We put stuff on timers. We've retrofitted all the lighting in our warehouse to LED lights. Um, uh, we we really monitor our uh, water usage. Um, you know, when we're purging tanks, we're not, we're, we're, we're recapturing that water. It's not going down the drain. Um, so I, I, I don't, we don't have one silver bullet on, on how we do it other than just being, you know, really conscious of it. And, um, Christine often shares our utility bills with our production manager and the rest of the brewing team. And we think about, okay, um, you know, how can we bring this down? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that it was really interesting, it's very nice being in a university town, but we were contacted by the University of Florida who had uh, a group that was doing energy audits. And these weren't just to come in and take a look at stuff and yay or nay. This was a in-depth, our production manager worked with them for days. They had students in there. They had people looking at every aspect of our entire process. Um, and the goal was to see what we could be doing better and the thing that made us feel really good was they came out of it and said you guys are actually you've actually already checked a lot of the boxes that we would have told a normal business um to to look into so we actually we do have an official report that says y'all are on the right path which made our production manager feel really great which made all of us feel really good there's always room for improvement so we're looking at we're always looking for new things or new ways to cut our energy use and cut our carbon footprint but um we feel pretty good about where we are right now um i want to talk about this beer that i'm now holding in my hands but i'm seeing on here that six pack rings are uh biodegradable photo degradable i'm sorry i'm sorry photo degradable um 
we're seeing a lot of breweries try to cut back on pack techs and various wastes and things like that. Uh, what is photodegradable? Uh, that just bas basically means that those those six pack rings break down. Okay, um, and they don't. Uh, they are not. Um, uh, they don't stay together as six pack rings for the duration of their time on Earth. Yeah, uh, they, they they are photosensitive, and they do break down. Um, In fact, our daughter did an eighth grade science. Her science. Her uh, science fair was called Six Pack Situation, and uh, <laughs> she she actually. Um, weighed um, uh, a set amount of six-pack rings, put it in the sun for a week, and demonstrated that they actually do break down. Um, so, I mean, that's a, that's a good thing, but it, that's still plastics in the environment, and that, that's something that we're, that we're looking at. Um, we use Pactex uh, on a limited basis for our um, limited releases at the brewery for yeah. a 16-ounce format. Uh, but we also um, uh, we reuse uh, six pack or uh, the the four pack. Our customers bring them in. We sanitize them just like we would do the rest of the glassware, and we haven't completely replaced the need to buy but most of them. But but that takes a big chunk out. Yeah, and it's kind of cool. It looks cool when we're when we're packed. We we don't have an applicator. We just do it by hand. Sure. We usually do between you know fifteen and thirty cases for brewery only releases. But it looks kind of cool when they're all rainbow different colors. Sure. You know so so there's you know those are little ways uh, like that. It's really intriguing to see. Uh, some of the new uh, cardboard products and rings are coming out. We're, we're actively looking at that. I, I think that that's something that we will migrate to uh, someday. Just we got to, you know, we're balancing costs, yeah. you know, right now. So, yeah. But. yeah. All right. So I'm holding this beer in my hand, Drift. Uh, it says Mild Ale on top, and then it's called a Session Brown, which is not a term that I was familiar with until I was handed this can uh, by Barry Elwanger uh, just a, a short time ago. Um, Sean Norquist, the director of the Florida Brewers Guild, uh, was singing this beer's praises, and then, as if by magic, cans appeared, and we've been drinking this. Um, this is a gold medal-winning beer. Uh, this, is, this is just delightful. Thank you. Um, what is the Session Brown? So, uh, Drift is an English-style mild ale. Okay. And um, we found that we had to do a lot of education with the public on that. Um, and sometimes people would order mild, whoa, whoa this is brown. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of a thing. And so we, we, we rebranded it uh, several years ago as a session brown. I don't know that that really helped much in sales, but, um, but it is by but far. But the question stopped. But the, yeah. but the question stopped. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But we're real proud of that one. Uh, that won gold award at World Beer Cup this year in 2023. It won gold at GABF in 2018. Um, it's won uh, gold and silver at um, Best Florida Beer Competition over the years. And it's just that, you know, when, when we designed that, I wanted a malt-forward beer that you could enjoy in the Florida climate. Yeah. You know? So it's really the lightest beer we do at 4.4% ABV. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's real nice. It's got a complex, uh, uh, malt build, but it's still, uh, you know, it's still quite approachable. So yeah, Drift is, uh, it's, it's a great one. We're very, very proud of that. The, the thing that I was really struck by, and I, I, I love that you list the ingredients on here, uh, pale malt, Munich, 
uh, crystal brown malt chocolate, uh, and then Warrior EKG. Um, but the the thing that 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 really struck me about this beer as I was uh, enjoying it was the mouthfeel on it, especially mm-hmm. for four and a half percent. And it just it has that that rich full bodied texture, but it's not heavy. No. Like it plays in that weird space, like where I was. That's why I said I wanted to get through this a little bit more and sort of formulate my thoughts, mm-hmm. because it's so approachable, but it's not. When I think of a lot of milds, I, I, I think about that watery characteristic mm-hmm. on the back end of it, so that this has just that touch of body makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. How, how'd you get to, is that just the malt bill doing what you want it to do? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you know, we tinkered around with it um, for a while while we were developing it. It's always been our most complex, um, certainly of our, of our core beers we do. But yeah, I was just making adjustments uh, here and there, but yeah, that's exactly what we were going for. You know, we wanted we wanted something that would have, you know, a, a nice malt complexity to it. And then the English ale yeast we use gives it just a little tiny hint of red apple. And um, but again, we we wanted something. You know, knowing here in Florida, it's you know ninety <laughs> degrees. You yeah. Know, for, uh, seven months out of the year. So, um, that, that all, you know, fit into the development of that. And yeah, it was just, you know, tweaking and, and, but we, we came up with a combination that we love. So. Brewing for a place, right? Because it, it, when I think about Florida and I was talking about Tampa and Miami earlier, I'm always sort of amazed and I know this is well-trodden ground, but how well, like, pastry stouts do and how, like, big, <laughs> thick, boozy, barrel-aged, right. um, you know, stouts do. But, uh, but then also, you know, light, easy-drinking lagers sure. as well, you know, sure. you postcard pills and some of these sure. others that, that exist. But there, but there is this very weird sense of Florida drinkers and not being able to peg what's going to be popular uh-huh. like i think about you know like even in tampa like at copper tail and now uh cigar city and some of these says like triples are are, are taking and i'm like who, 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 one who's drinking triples and why but also <laughs> why is this popular in the hot florida sun um and i and i kind of get it um mm-hmm. but how do you is it just trial and error to find out what's going to land with folks or because people also strike me as adventurous drinkers. Like a session brown doesn't sound like something I'd want in ninety degree heat, but you know, like now I'm looking for another one. Right? Like it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That always does really well at festivals. Um, I, I don't because people have you know when they want to try something new. Um, yeah, I don't have a good exclamation for the for the uh, fanaticism around pastry stouts. Uh, in Florida, I don't, I don't have a real. Well, I guess the the, the Florida vice, as as uh, some would, some you know people call them. They, sure. You know the, the fruity. I haven't heard sours. that. I haven't heard that term in a while. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think Wakefield tried to tried to move away from that. Uh, oh, from that okay. Being, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, fruity doesn't cut- mean don't say it because it's right, still right, very true. Right. Yeah. The fruity kettle kettle sours have always done well. You know, at at at, at first magnitude as well. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I've always felt like Florida has been a little bit behind the curve in the, in, in the, the craft brewing scene in terms of trends and, and things of that nature. And, and yeah, you know, I mean, you've got, you've got plenty of breweries, particularly in Tampa, um, Angry Chair and others like that, that really, um, key in on those pastry stouts and have, you know, lines around the block when they, when they release them. So yeah, it's kind of odd. I, I, I don't have a good exclamation for that. 
why are foreign extra stouts popular in Jamaica? Sure. I don't know, but somehow it works. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Maybe a little bit more of the fruity ester that comes along with those. I, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a mystery, but it's kind of a fun one to watch. <laughs> I dig that. Um, one of the things that I was struck in, in reading about you all in advance was that you, you put your lab front and center on your website, which, again, now having tasted your beers and obviously you know, awards are given out to deserving beers and it's usually ones that are done with intention and done with you know, quality in mind. Um, but putting the lab out there and putting it on there, um, I imagine it sends the message that you want it to of, yeah. 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 Most definitely. I mean, we've, we've invested heavily in that, um, uh, you know, from the get-go, it, it goes a long way with our distributors. Uh, when our distributor partners, uh, when we're when they're when they come in for a tour or whatnot, and they see uh, the amount of equipment and, and personnel that we've devoted to the lab, they're like, "Oh, okay, I'm going to get a consistent product here. That's, yeah. that's really important uh, for me." So, um, yeah, we really haven't, uh, you know. Assuming that is made out of wood, um, uh, we just monitor our quality very, very carefully. It takes so long to build a good reputation in the craft community, and it doesn't take any time at all to lose it. Yep. So um, it's something that uh, we put a lot of emphasis on, and we'll continue to do so. I dig that. The, the community aspect of it, of you're right about reputations as well, but creating a space that people want to come to again and again and again. And being in a college town, I imagine, you know, you get a lot of the out-in-towners, the parents who are looking for stuff, but also, um, you know, locals who are looking for that sense of community that brought you there in the first place and um, uh, uh, to recreate that. What have you found? Is it just simply authenticity, having a mission and sticking to it? Um I know there's work that goes into it, but why has it been working? We, I like that question because we really, we, we put a lot of energy into who we are as a brand, who we are as a company, who our, who our staff are that, are that are talking to people and serving beer and making beer. We tell them all the time, we have regular staff meetings and anytime I do an interview of somebody, I say, Nobody may know or care who John and I are, but you all are the ones who are front and center talking to people. You're the connection with the brand. You're the ones that are that are inviting people into our home because yeah. it is it is our place. And then and you're explaining, you're teaching, you're you're really welcoming people into the space. And, and so to me, it, it starts with the staff. It starts with our team. It starts with the people that are working there because, and we say this over and over, we want everyone to feel work, welcome at first magnitude. No matter who you are, where you're coming from, we want you to feel welcome. Um, I feel like the craft brewing industry is, we're all very aware, has undergone its, um, I don't know if it's a reckoning. I don't know if everybody's really reckoned with it, but there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, shit that goes on in the craft brewing industry that makes people feel uncomfortable. It yep. makes people feel like they're not treated properly. It goes, it goes to, and, and then I'm always, when I go and listen to uh, talks and they're saying, well, I don't know how we're going to get more, we need to get more diversity in our customer base. I'm like, how about if you not treat people like dumbasses? And how about if you treat them with respect? And then maybe we can get more people coming into the craft brewing industry. If you're not acting like a, you know, 
sexist, racist, homophobe, yeah. then we can get more people coming into the craft beer industry into into the craft beer fold. And so we really we we take that very seriously. Um, we feel like everybody should feel welcome. It just it doesn't matter who you are. And if you know a lot about beer, great. If you know nothing about beer, great. Come on in be comfortable in our space and we, we took a lot of effort also to make our space be a very comfortable place where you can just kind of like come and plunk down some people get really comfortable there <laughs> we've had a little too comfortable sometimes <laughs> over oh, man. the years we've had people do some some funny stuff we had a we had a friend roast an entire pig uh in our beer garden we let her do that we've had okay. people like bring their own grills and grill out. <laughs> but uh that sounds like a very florida thing it, yeah. it is a very florida thing but we've but we want that you know that as outliers we really want everybody who comes in to feel comfortable with uh our place who we, what we stand for you know what we do as a company and that's just a that's just it goes and it goes to our branding too if you look at all of our branding all of our images all of our cans it's all i i give presentations at uf for um for different different classes and one of them features a lot of our brand imaging etc and one of the biggest compliments i got at the end of it was uh this this young lady raised her hand and she said i don't drink beer but i really want to go and check out your place because i love these labels and i love these brands it just makes it feel like i could be welcome there and that made us feel that oh, made that's me feel awesome. really good um and so uh and I'm not the artist. Uh, we have a wonderful artist named Tracy Bachman who does all of our all of our stuff, and she's been fantastic the whole way through. She's the one that came up with our mermaid logo and and all of that. But but yeah, I think I think being a space that's a community space um, was something that we set out to do. We it has evolved over the years, um, and it has definitely become something. Like John said earlier, we are thrilled and proud and and very often humbled by the response that we get when people come and like they it's paying seven bucks or so for a pint is not a small amount of money and this is another thing we say to our staff people choose to come here yeah craft beer is not cheap but we want people when they come to our place we want them to feel like not only are they buying really high quality products but they're supporting our team, they're supporting our, our initiatives that we do in the community, and they're supporting this, this space that we use as a platform for all these different folks to come and meet and be together and you know celebrate whoever they are. So yeah. that's important to us. I like that. I wish more breweries were thinking about it in that way. So that's, that's really cool um, to hear. Uh, being mindful of your time, um, I wanted to ask you the green door question, which is the premise is, uh, uh, did you know this was coming? Is this? No. Oh, okay. Uh, so the premise is on the television show, The Good Place, in the final season, they introduced a concept of a green door where the characters were able to walk through uh, the green door and be able to be anywhere that they wanted, uh, doing whatever they wanted to do. So if we had a green door on this plane of existence and this conversation ended and you could walk through it and be at any pub or any brewery anywhere in the world, where would you want to go? Who would you want to be with, and what would you like to be drinking? John, you want to go first? Wow, wow. Um, boy, that's a great that's a great question. Through my green door, um, I've always admired the pub scene in the United Kingdom, 
And when we were planning First Magnitude, I sort of envisioned, you know, the local neighborhood pub. It evolved into much more than oh, that. Oh, sure, yeah. But that's kind of what I was thinking of. Not a lot of grills showing up at the at the corner pub, yeah. No. <laughs> no. Uh, but I don't know. My first thought would be, and, and I, I don't have a specific one in mind. I love ESBs. It's one of my favorite styles. Um, I, I that, that would be... Uh, you know, really cool to get back to, to origins and, and, and experience something like that. My heritage is Irish. Um, I've, I've yet to, to make it to Ireland, uh, to make a pilgrimage back. Same sort of culture there, you know, that would be really neat to, uh, be there with an Irish session going on and, and having that perfectly poured pint of Guinness. Yeah. And then, of course, who would I want to be with? I wouldn't want to be with anybody other than Christine. Aww. Well, maybe the kids could come along, maybe. But but um, at any rate, yeah, that, that, that's, the, that's the first I could, I could think of. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Christine, what about you? Oh, you took mine. Um, gosh. I do... I love Irish pubs. I have I have the great fortune of going there, but I was too young to drink uh, many years ago. But I know I love the I love the family. I love the the community of the pubs, mm-hmm. the traditional pubs. Um, and so that I think that would be that would be one of them. I don't know. There's no wrong answers. Yeah. I know. Well, and, and I'm thinking, and, and I what what keeps coming into my head is just small community spaces that are that reflect where you are and i think that that's what whenever we travel and we go to a brewery and it's just we find some little gym off the side of a road and we pop in something we've never heard of and we get delighted by the beer and uh we'll we'll john and i'll share a flight together and just it's just a really great experience when you're you have that i'm in this wonderful place with the person that that means the most to me and i'm having a fantastic beer that's what that's what resonates with me it's just that is that finding that delight and and um it's nice as a business owner when you can go out and find that little delight and oh yeah celebrate someone else's success that's awesome and steal their ideas that's right <laughs> and don't check into untapped no um god no no uh well, I need to get Gainesville on my, my list of places to visit. So thank you for planting that, that idea and planting that seed. And um, thanks for taking the time for doing it, uh, the podcast this week. Absolutely. We really appreciate the opportunity. And uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. This was fun. Yeah. And uh, definitely come to see us. We would love to show you around and show you the lab. Yes. <laughs> I want to see the lab. I, it's, I, I like geeking out on that stuff. We are. We say that a lot, that we're a bunch of nerds. Nerds, we love it. We embrace it. <laughs> okay, one more time. Quick reminder I'm going to be at Jack's Abbey in Framingham, Massachusetts for a live audience recording of this show on August 17th at six o'clock. Uh, that's PM, by the way. It'll feature a panel of Massachusetts brewers, and we're going to even have some recipes out of the Craft Brewery Cookbook, which will also be for sale that day. Uh, that book is still also available wherever fine books are sold. So if you're in Massachusetts or If you like making a drive, come join me on August 17th at Jack's Abbey in Framingham at 6 p.m. for a live audience recording of Drink Beer, Think Beer. What's a brewery that you think is doing some cool stuff that you might want to hear on this show? 
Tell me all about it. You can email me. It's John Hall. That's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at allaboutbeer.com. Or you can tell me on Twitter at John underscore Hall. That's also how you can get in touch with questions, comments, and guest suggestions. A reminder to go visit allaboutbeer.com. You can check out the podcast page there, the merch page, and can read great new content as well as the archives going back to 1979. Don't forget, follow All About Beer on social media at All About Beer. And if you're interested in supporting journalism in the beer space, email us at info at allaboutbeer.com or go to patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. Don't forget, All About Beer has that podcast channel now, so search and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Steal This Beer still, so many years later, has new episodes every Monday, and the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. That's a fun show that you should be subscribing and listening to. As for this show, Nate Schweber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed our logo, and I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday, and that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer.